Turn in your Bibles to the book of Jude. Next to the last book of the old or the New Testament. <clears throat> Verse 1, Jude, verse 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. What I'd like to look at in this little lesson is contending for the truth. Let us pray. <clears throat> we thank thee, our Heavenly Father, for thy word, <clears throat> for giving us thy word. We thank thee for sending thy Son to die and bear away our sins. We ask you to keep us mindful of his return keep us looking for it keep us from sin forgive us of our sins guide us as the church in the way of truth we pray for those that have needs <clears throat> loved ones family members you know all about our needs and our problems just pray that you be pleased to provide them we pray for our pastor and his family that you keep your protective hands upon them we pray for America that you'd have mercy upon it during this time of idolatry. Guide us in the way of truth, we pray. Grant us a burden for the lost. We pray for brethren that have infirmities and those among us. Just guide us in serving in our endeavors to serve thee. Help us to worship thee in spirit and truth, to exalt the name of Christ above every name. For it's in his name through the power of the Holy Spirit we ask, and amen. <clears throat> We notice in this short book of Jude that it's it is written to them that are sanctified and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. We're also, those of us that are called and preserved, we're to contend for the faith. Now the scripture is not what the world tells you that it is. They have their version, we have ours. As we know the of the holidays that's upon us. If you ask them how well do you know their God? Point them to Isaiah chapter forty five, verse five where it says, I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west, that's worldwide, that there is none beside me, and I am the Lord, and there is none else. They may, they may not agree with it. Then there comes verse 7. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace. I create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. You're going to have some that say yes. Some that say no. Many times we've looked at that passage in John's Gospel, the sixth chapter, 
For when Christ told them no man could come to him except the Father which sent him draw them, they walked no more with him. We could ask ourselves, was it needful for the Lord to do this, do it this way? Of course, he makes no mistakes. In the book of Isaiah, the sixth chapter, I mean, there's things in Scripture that require studying or are hard to be understood. But then again, if we could understand God, He would not be God. We would be like Him. His ways are far above our ways. In Isaiah chapter 6, in the year that King, verse 1, the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon His throne high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth, whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Why was he concerned about his lips? That's what we glorify or don't glorify the Lord with. When the rich man that we read about in Luke 16 asked for Lazarus to go get him some water, that he could cool his tongue, we're to glorify God with our speech, with our lives, our hearts, our actions. We've looked many times at Romans chapter 12, make ourselves a living sacrifice. We are to contend for the faith. We're told to go on to perfection. We're given a lot of commandments. We're, given, we're told to be humble. We mentioned that this morning, the writings of Peter. We're to be his little children. To become like Christ is a tall, tall order. I think it's First Corinthians chapter 14. But that's what we're saved to be. We're to contend for the word. Did Christ contend for the word? How many times was did he rebuke the, his own disciples and even the Jewish elders at times? Brethren, be not, excuse me, brethren, be not children in understanding. In other words, understand well. Howbeit in malice be children. Children are not malicious, but in understanding be men. That's a tall order. First Corinthians Again, chapter 1, verse 7. So that you come behind in no gift. Talking about gifts this morning. Waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall also confirm you unto the end that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is one reason so that we be blameless. In the, I believe it's the 11th chapter, 
the same book of Corinthians. You know, we learn a lot from the church at Corinth because they had a lot of problems. Verse 31 of 1 Corinthians 11, For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Now, no, we don't question what the Lord does. We just ask, what's the lesson? Obedience. It's a good place to start. Contend for the faith. There's no place to let down your guard in the Christian experience, the Christian life. In the book of James, we're told, I mean, got some strong words there also. Watch our words. Talking about the verse 5 of James chapter 3. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts of great things. Behold, how great a matter of little fire kindleth. We just read what the two prophets said. One of them when he was in the Lord's presence. Woe is me. Let our words be few, but let them be contending for the faith. Those that look at, are in the world of big religion, I guess you, I don't know what else you could call it. That's the televangelists and all that. They think that the little small church is too self-degrading or too amazing. The head covering is, don't apply to it. I've heard some of them say it used to apply, but it doesn't apply today. Where did it ever change? It did not. Being a little small congregation is too narrow for them. We're told to keep ourselves unspotted by the world again in the book of James, the first chapter. Verse 26, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue. Once again, it's the book of Proverbs and the book of Ecclesiastes also has things to say about letting our words be few. Anyone that bridles not his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. Now it tells us pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and keep themselves or keep himself unspotted from the world. That's a, another tall order. How can you keep yourself unspotted from the world? It's like the old saying, you go walk through a chicken house and you smell like it after you walk through one. That's a known fact. Is there a fine line? Yes, scriptures is filled with fine lines. In the Gospel of Matthew, the, the seventh chapter tells us about the straight and the narrow gate. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and the few there be that find it. Verse 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. 
when we do his will, not our will. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils. But did they do it according to God's will? It's a fine line. And in thy name done many wonderful works. In his name, but was it according to his will? Was it what he wanted? Now we know from the Gospel of John, God's will. That's the sixth chapter. John's will, John's gospel, excuse me, the sixth chapter. Verse 37, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Look to God. Look to Christ. As one great preacher of the past said, Sue God. Like I say, there's more to earnestly contend for the faith, and most of the world don't like these things, especially what Christ went on to say there concerning, well, he said it two times in the sixth chapter. I get my. I think I'm losing my mind sometimes looking at the wrong pages. I'm in the I'm in the wrong book, no wonder. John's Gospel, the sixth chapter, verse forty four No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. He said it again in verse sixty five I say unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given him my father he goes on to say in verse 67 then Jesus said unto the twelve will you also go away and then Simon Peter answered him Lord to whom shall we go thou hast the words of eternal life and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ the son of the living God where else are we going to go there's no place else to go there's no other God we're to earnestly contend for his word. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He chose them. Like I say, scripture's filled with fine lines. Cain and Abel brought forth offerings. The Arminian believes that God leaves the decision of faith up to the free will of man. Well, we were, what about that offering? What did Cain choose? Well, but unto Cain and to, his, and to his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. 
So do you, does one quit? And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou so wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, if you do right, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest well, sin lieth at the door. Doest not well, excuse me, sin lieth at the door. And of course we know Cain killed his, slew his brother because his deeds were wicked. Scripture, well, the, the Armenian, they like to think that faith is left up to the free will of man. If it was left up to the free, free will of man, no, none would believe. All men, God has commanded all men everywhere to repent. Does that mean man will repent? No, man's dead. Brother Harry Ironside, he was an Armenian, but indeed he loved the Lord. He preached one way, what you will get if you come to Christ as your Savior. Then in that center, centers in the hand of an angry God message by, I don't remember, Jonathan Edwards or... I can't think of the writer's name now. Other preachers preach what you will get if you don't come to Christ. In the book of Deuteronomy, the eighth chapter, I mean, there's just two ways of looking at it. The blessings you will receive in coming to Christ the torment you will receive if you reject him. Because if you don't look to him as a savior, as the coming Lord and King, you are rejecting him. Eighth, eighth chapter of the book of Deuteronomy and the third verse. Well, let's, let's read all, starting at the, the first verse of Deuteronomy chapter 8. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. Now those of the Old Testament, they were sinners just like we. And one prophet said, if thou would mark sin, none of us would stand before thee. In other words, they were sinners and if God judged us strictly after our sins. None could stand. Verse 2 of Deuteronomy chapter 8, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not. Neither did the, thy fathers know, that he might make thee to know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Thy raiment wax not old upon them. That was a miracle in itself. Neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Still, their carcasses fell in the wilderness. God kept his word. 
Thou shalt consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. That's the, we're told the same thing in the book of Hebrews. The Lord chasteneth every son he receiveth. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land and brooks of water and the fountains and depths of springs out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley. Goes on and tells all the good things they would get. But the same book of Deuteronomy also tells about what would happen if they rejected, if they disobeyed. The curses, it's in Deuteronomy 28. I ain't going to read all of them. I just glance over a couple of them. Whereas they'd be blessed in the provisions of crops, they would be cursed if they disobeyed. Cursed shall be thou in the city, cursed shall thou be in the field, cursed shall thou be in thy basket and in thy store. When thou goest out, when thou comest in, the Lord shall send rain upon thee, or excuse me, shall send upon thee cursing, vexation, and rebuke in all that thou settest thy hand to do. It's on among such a holy God that it only makes sense to obey. He cannot lie. What he promises is that he will deliver. In Matthew's Gospel, the 16th chapter, verse 1, the Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempted, desiring him that he would show them a sign from heaven. Would they have believed that if he would have? No. After all, he brought Lazarus forth from the dead, and they just wanted to kill Lazarus. That's over in John's Gospel, the 11th and 12th chapter. And he answered and said unto them, When it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. Oh, ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but... You cannot discern the signs of the time. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after signs, and there shall be no sign giving unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. Now, the oddities about the prophet Jonah, he sent to Nineveh. He didn't want to go. We know what happened. God had his way. I mean, Jonah after being in the whale's belly, that, I guess what I'm saying is that strengthened his preaching, so to speak, because it was the shortest sermon ever delivered in all of what we read in Scripture but had the greatest outcome. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And they repented. And God withheld bringing judgment upon them. The word came to Jonah the second time, Arise, go to the Nineveh of the great city, and preach unto the preaching. Preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. Now, 
In God's Word, man likes to come up with his opinion, but the preacher should be preaching what he bids them to preach. So Jonah arose, verse 3, and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. That's huge. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God. Now that's what I said. It only makes sense. Trust God. If you have questions about your salvation or your condition, we already read in the Gospel of John, believe on him that the Father has sent. That's Christ. Well, look here. So the people of Nineveh, and they were wicked and hated the Jews, and the Jews hated them. They believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the grace of them even to the least of them. We read about Nineveh later, 100 years later or so, 150, a long time afterwards, God did destroy it. Left it so destroyed that, I think as they said, Alexander the Great walked across it and did not even know that's where he was. Couldn't tell it anything ever existed there. But they put on sackcloth from the grace of them even to the least of them, for the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid a, his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes and caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast nor herd herd nor flock, taste anything, let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we may that we perish not? And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he said had said that he would do to them and he did it not grace is the answer in all of this it's what man needs but before you get grace you must repent and you must believe now they are in that order I can find the passage in the Gospel of Matthew. It's instantaneous. Man must repent and believe the Gospel. Christ speaking to the Jewish elite. Verse 28 of Matthew chapter 21. And we will close. But what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in thy vineyard, or excuse me, in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whither of them twain did the will of his father? They say unto him the first. Jesus saith unto them, Verily 
I say unto you that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and ye believed him not. But the publicans and harlots believed him, that, and ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward, notice the order, repented not afterward, that ye may believe. That's repentance and faith. That's what we preach. Like I say, grace is the answer. You want grace? Repent. Repent of your, repent of your sins and trust the Lord. And it'll go well with you.